Welcome, welcome, Housers, to another episode of On the Way Home. I am your host, Michael Braithwaite, and I have the great pleasure of working with the wonderful folks at one half of the partners on this podcast, that is Blue Door. Uh, Blue Door's organization that's been around for 42 years, doing wonderful work, supporting our most vulnerable. We help them with housing. We help them get help healthy. We help them with meaningful well-paying employment and much, much more. Check out the amazing work our team is doing. Go to bluedoor.ca. We do this part in partnership with the Canadian Alliance and Homelessness. They're doing incredible work, uh, advocacy work. They're doing training. They've got the ear of government. They're pushing the priorities of those experiencing homelessness forward um, and getting the government to pay attention, doing awesome stuff, and much, much more. Check them out at caeh.ca. Today, we have two wonderful guests on the podcast. Often, uh, when you're involved and supporting the most vulnerable, we have to raise funds, right? Outside of government dollars coming in, and we're so grateful to all levels of government for the support they give. We continue to push and advocate for more. But we have to fundraise as well. And part of that fundraising, of course, is talking with people and getting individual donors, but we also uh, look at doing events. We want to do an event that's impactful, of course, that people understand, maybe learn a little bit, awareness is created around homelessness, but also raises a lot of money as well for the cause. And that can be troublesome, right? Events are a very staff heavy meaning. It takes a lot of staff time and efforts. And if you don't hit that right mark where a lot of people uh, get out and support, you can actually lose money. Uh, and, and not create the awareness that you want. But today we want to talk about, I think uh, in 2011, a group, Blue Sea Philanthropy, started a national event. It was going to happen on the same night across the country, and charities could choose to take part in it and, and run. It was kind of a setup, a pre-kind of setup event for them that they could run in their community to raise dollars with some national momentum, and that's the coldest night of the year. A very cool event. My organization, Blue Door, has been involved now for years, uh, and we love it, right? It's, it's kind of set up for you in the sense that once you're signed up with Coldest Night with Blue Sea, uh, you get on there and they have a website, and it's so easy for individuals, for families, for your supporters, for your sponsors, and everyone to get involved. You come together this year, it's on February 24th, and we walk one or five kilometers and you make an event out of it. It's an incredible experience, deeply impactful, lots of awareness, and millions raised. And it used to be across Canada. Now it's across North America. In the past three years, uh, we've had our American friends come on board. They've expanded it there. And today on the podcast, we're joined by uh, Jen Taylor, who's the director of Blue Sea, and has been doing that work for quite a long time. We've been involved in that expansion. And we have the great pleasure of being um, joined by Dr. Darlene Sparks, who is uh, the executive director at uh, at um, Portsmouth Volunteers for the Homelessness, and she, she's doing uh, for the homeless. Sorry, Portsmouth, Portsmouth Volunteers for the Homeless. My apologies, Darlene. Um, and they're doing incredible and impactful work in the U.S. supporting people experiencing homelessness. This is going to be their third year at an event. Darlene tells us how she got involved, uh, what the experience has been, what her hopes are for this year. Jen tells us about how the event came to be, uh, what the experience has been, what the growth has been like, what people can expect if they're part of coldest night of the year, um, and, and much, much more. It's a great conversation that you don't want to miss. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed being part of Coldest Night of the Year. I'm looking forward to this year's event. Uh, so let's go to that conversation now and hear all about it. 
A very special podcast today as we are joined by not one but two fabulous guests. We're going to talk all about coldest night of the year. You're saying, what is that? You will find out. But first, let's chat with our guests and find out a little bit about them. Jen and Darlene, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Michael. It's good to be here. Great to be here. All right. So we ask a question to all our guests that come on because there's no right or wrong answer. It's very personal to everyone. And that is, what does home mean to you? And we're going to start with Darlene and then go to Jen. So that is a very loaded question. And home for me means a place of respite. It's a place of peace and rejuvenation. Beautiful. Well said. Well said. And and Darlene, like most people, you don't mention the four walls and a roof, right? It's not about that. It's about exactly exactly what you just said. Jen? I think for me, uh, home is the place where I feel like I most belong. So often in a community of other people, my family, my friends, I love to be with people, very extroverted. Uh, but it also is uh, in in just like a physical place that I feel that I belong. I'm very um, adventurous. I love to be outdoors. I love hiking, camping, skiing is my all-time favorite and so to be uh, outdoors uh, with my friends and family is is definitely a place of belonging for me and um, i feel most at home there very cool thank you both Uh, we want to learn a little bit about both of you um, and we'll start darling can you tell us a little bit about your journey into this work and as well a little bit about your organization So I would say I have had a very eclectic journey into this work. Um, Most people would look and say a person who's um, working in homelessness would have experienced homelessness. Um, That's not my story. Um, However, I did experience um, loss and grief that sort of reset me. I've had a couple of careers And um, in 2016, I happened to lose uh, my mom and my husband on the same day, um, 12 hours apart. And that is an experience that definitely grabs your attention from the universe and go, okay, what is it that you want me to do? Um, You have my full attention. Um, What's next for me? And what was next for me was this job. Um, Nine months later, I walked into the role of executive director here at Portsmouth Volunteers for the Homeless. And while I had, you know, worked in many human services um, areas, I never worked in homelessness. And I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, what do I do? How will I be received? What I had a lot of ideas and a lot of thoughts. And so, you know, I kind of inhabited the position at Portsmouth Volunteers for the Homeless. And we are a um, nonprofit organization that provides support services for individuals who are experiencing homelessness, who would be living outdoors in places not meant for human habitation. We operate a day center where our clients can come and shower and do their laundry. What's more important than how how we get to present ourselves to the world? You know, it gives us the confidence to go out and tackle the things that we have to do. And then we operate a year round night shelter, which gives our clients a place to be safe and warm 
and receive a hearty dinner meal to be able to, again, go out and face the world um, to manage the things that they have to overcome to become housed again. Sounds like an incredible organization doing impactful work. So thank you so much. Uh, Jen, let's talk a little bit about your journey. We know you are involved with Blue Sea, the coldest night of the year, but how the heck did you get there? So I would say that I have always uh, been really drawn towards helping people. And thankfully, I grew up in a home where my parents modeled that really well for me. I remember even at a young age that uh, we would have people that would come home for dinner and they come came from all different walks of life my dad would just say hey come on over we'd love to have you and i remember going actually to the mustard seed uh, which is a charity out in victoria bc when i was a kid and serving a thanksgiving meal when i was less than 10 years old and so it was pretty neat you know all those years later when i joined coldest night and they were one of our our partners uh, so I definitely had an experience of the importance of giving back and being a part of a community and taking care of our community uh, from a young age. And all of the different jobs I considered throughout uh, my younger years and even through through what I did in my 20s, it was always um, focused around helping people. And so whether it was a one-on-one -on -one scenario or, uh, you know, a, a bigger level than that, uh, I, I am... The type of person who just really loves to inspire and encourage others and i think that often charity leaders don't know how valuable they are to their community and so um, being a part of blue sea and being able to work with charities directly and have that opportunity to help them to fundraise and to do something that's really valuable to them was something i was really drawn to so i i knew brian carney our ceo uh, in a in a prior life and I remember going to Brian and saying I'm I'm really interested in working in Blue Sea but I've never done fundraising before uh, would you be interested in in hiring me and we sat down in a Tim Hortons with he pulled out a napkin and a pen and he said what are you good at and uh, I just started listing out the things I thought that might be valuable uh, to the organization and um his ears kind of perked up and he said, oh, we need some of that around here. And so that was nine years ago. My job has evolved a lot over the years, uh, but it has been a very rewarding experience. And it is interesting too, uh, now having you know been 25 years since I graduated high school, a job like this didn't even exist at the time when I was originally considering a career. And so it's pretty neat how it's evolved, but it's allowed me to continue to, to help people in a way that inspires me and hopefully uh, inspires them as well. Absolutely. Let's talk about coldest night of the year before we get into uh, all the details of this year's walk and what's happening. There's some history here. How did this all get started? I mean, the event kind of speaks to it's, it's a great uh, branded event, but how did it all get started? How long has it uh, been running and uh, what kind of growth have you seen? Yeah, so Blue Sea Foundation is the name of our organization. We began as a charity in 2010. And at the time that we became a registered charity in Canada, we were running an event called the Ride for Refuge, which is very similar in nature to Coldest Night. Uh, partners with charities mainly focusing on working with refugees. 
and it was going really well and we were able to help a number of really great charities. And so Brian started thinking about some other causes that may be underrepresented in Canada. And uh, he himself had had a situation in his past where he had um, dealt with some financial loss and just felt really sensitive towards the cause. He had had to use some resources and, and just knew the struggles of making sure that those resources were available for a charity, but also how valuable they were to an individual in different times in their lives. And so um, he just started thinking about ideas about kinds of charities to work with and the kinds of events and a couple of things really stood out. So first of all, not a lot happens in February in Canada. So as far as competing with other events like galas and golf tournaments and all that stuff, we thought, you know, February is probably a good time. Uh, and then also thinking about the experiential piece of Coldest Night. If somebody is experiencing homelessness or at risk of experiencing homelessness, uh, what is it like to be out on the streets in February? And how can we help people to have a small taste of what that is? And then finally, the idea that these charities who are working so hard all winter to provide the resourcing and the support, uh, a lot happens, as you know, leading up to Christmas, everybody's all ready to help and support and do all that they can. And those resources start dwindling around February and March when uh, you still need them. And so to have an event in February where the money's coming back to the charities by early spring was a way for us to be able to support a cause at the time when it was needed most. And so Brian, uh, he ran the idea by a couple people and he reached out to um, three charities uh, and, and said, hey, is this crazy or would you guys consider doing this with us? And so the original Coldest Night of the Year launched mid-January. It's crazy to think of that now. And uh, five weeks later, uh, they had over 400 people participate and $110,000 were raised for those three uh, charities. So it was the beginning of what we, we never, ever expected that it would come to where it is now, but uh, it's still a very valuable story and means a lot to us that those original partners uh, came alongside and, and have turned it. We, we feel like we're all in this together, for sure, that it's been, it's been made into what it is by many, many charities uh, saying yes to this, this crazy and exciting event. Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project, or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. Very cool. And you, of course, have expanded uh, south of the border. And darling, we want to talk about that. This, I believe, is your third year coming up. It how is. the heck did, uh, how did, how did you guys get involved? How did you even find out about this event? So um, I believe it was a cold email from um, Mika. Mika. Yep. And um, we get so many emails that come across our desk with individuals trying to get us to participate in events and um, let us show you how to fundraise for a small fee. 
And it was just something about this event um, when I read it. Um, much of what I did before was about experiences and building experiences for people to engage them. So when I read it, I read the email. I was like, we're a little bit interested. Um, so let me go talk to our board about it. Now, mind you, that comes on a decision that I made during COVID, which was we were not going to close. We were going to stay open and we were going to manage through COVID. And my board said, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, um, I do know what I'm doing. I happen to serve as, you know, a pandemic coordinator for a large organization before. And we did that. And we didn't have a COVID outbreak for two years. So from 2020 to 2022, we didn't have a COVID outbreak in a congregate shelter environment. So I think they trusted me when I said, we're going to do this coldest night. And I, I had the call. Um, I briefed my board and they said, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. And the first year it was very successful and we kept getting more experience, applying our lessons learned and really engaging the community. I think for us, our first year was the first year that we were getting out from COVID. So the community was happy to be together outside. And we leveraged um, the churches that had been supporting us for our night shelter. We uh, leveraged our um, local government. And people just saw this as a great way to come out to be together and be outdoors for an amazing cause. Perfect. What are your hopes for this year? What are you thinking? What are you trying to raise? Well, last year we had a little over 350 walkers. So our goal is to, you know, of course, I'm an incremental person. So, and I'm a little bit conservative. So I'm like, if we get 50 more people, 60 more people, let's get to you know, 400. So we had 40 teams last year. Our goal this year is to do 50 teams. And um, we're hoping to raise, you know, $30,000. Oh, amazing. Amazing. I'm sure you will. And it's smart that, that old saying that uh, under promise over deliver, right? You don't exactly. you do that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Your experience is showing through. Now, let's talk about the expansion, uh, Shannon, to the U.S. It's uh but I think only you said what three years? Just entirely yes. one of the first, right? Yes, absolutely. The very first year. So uh, we began back in 2011, and uh, Coldest Night has kind of grown in Canada about about 20 locations a year is typically how it's gone. And so over the years, obviously that that builds up, and we're getting pretty close to 200. And uh, Canada does, doesn't have a huge population, and especially when charities work really hard to build the event out within their community. And so they they often take up a whole town, a whole city with their really awesome campaigns. And uh, so we were thrilled at the growth that was happening. Um, COVID actually for, for most charities in this sector, as you well know, experienced kind of a, a, a building of awareness and also an outpouring of financial support. And so 2021 was a significant growth year for Coldest Night. And uh, at that point we were sort of 
thinking about returning to an in-person event and we've considered the U.S. before uh, but wanted to wait until the time was right and so 2022 was our first year in the U.S. and uh, yeah we began with uh, six brave charities who were willing to come alongside us and we purposefully started kind of in the northeast of the U.S. hoping uh, that it would be as close to what our experience here in Canada was. And our partners in the U.S. have been so gracious. There is a lot that's similar to Canada, but there are definitely some things that are different. Uh, we've worked really hard to indoctrinate the Tuke language into their culture, and they've been great uh, to accept that for sure. And uh, yeah, we're, we're really thrilled with how things are moving along. So this year is just our third year and we have 42 locations across uh, the U.S. Kind of, it's not quite across. We're pretty much all on the east side of things at this point. But as far south as Durant, Oklahoma, uh, they're still calling it cold down there. And we're more than happy for them to do that. Uh, so it's been wonderful to build out that experience. And even the collaboration between the two countries, at this point, we haven't segregated uh, the, the partnerships, we, we're all in this together. Uh, our Canada, Canada and U.S. locations are in peer groups and trainings and all kinds of things together. And it's awesome how we can learn, learn from one another uh, as we see that expansion both in Canada and the U.S. It's, it's such a great event. And I'll tell you this. I mean, I've been in uh, social service sector for a long time. Um, and I think events take a lot of time. And often, if you actually factor in staff time, you might be actually losing money, right? And then people lose it. When people leave an event, they're like, yeah, it was great gala. What was that all about again, right? I had fun, but the impact might not be there. So, so I love that about this event. I mean, straight from the name, you know what you're doing. You know what you're going for, time of year, that kind of thing. Darlene, how did you know it was right for you? Like, What, what helped you convince your board and make the choice it was right uh, for your organization? I think because... Um... I, I I came from another nonprofit um, who are one of our mottos was a business of the heart. So I understood that we are a nonprofit organization and there are business operations that have to be in place in order for us to, to be successful. The turnkey nature of all of the um, support materials was a big it was a big win because it helped us with the heavy lifting um, to be able to talk about our communities as market segments and what's going to appeal to those market segments those donors um, it was the business approach that really made it appealing to me um, I, I think a little bit differently than other nonprofit leaders. And, um, you know, I understand the economics of running a nonprofit. So that was really good. Um, and again, we just needed something. We, we set out on this campaign when I came on board, changing the paradigm of our perceptions about homelessness. And we felt if we could get the community to see homelessness differently, they would buy in. We help and we support people that we like. And so if I could make homelessness likable so that people didn't just look in faces of, of, of individuals who are experiencing homelessness and walk away, if I could make it personal without them having to be homeless, that would appeal to their hearts. And this event did that because it gave them a glimpse of what individuals have to endure to be outside. 
Um, and it was about building community support that says, we will shepherd this response and it is the community responsibility. Um, so that part of, of, of Coldest Night was very attractive to us. Very nice. And Jen, how does a how does an organization know if coldest night is for them? How do you, when you're talking with an organization, I mean, they can say, well, maybe I'll, you know, we'll do our own walk or do our own thing. Uh, I know the answer to this, but I, I'm setting you up for why coldest night over just kind of doing your own event. Yeah, I think that uh, we, we often use the term national local, which is the idea that, you know, it's a national event, but that the money stays local. And I think the charities and that fully embrace that idea and want to be part of something bigger and work together on this is an important piece to it. So we've expanded out a lot with our corporate challenge and having you know, businesses that sponsor in multiple locations. We have groups like the Rotary Club and the Kinsmen that partner in multiple locations across the country. And so I think you have to trust that the process will work. And that's a big part of it. And I think that more important than anything else is uh, leadership. And I can say this to both of you because you have done a fantastic job at your organizations of doing this, but, but leading well and believing in Coldest Night from the beginning is 100% the most important piece to a successful campaign. Knowing that even if you're the CEO or the executive director who isn't on the ground running the event, you are still putting on that toque and you are still saying this is really important to our organization. And you're there on event night and, and supporting it well. And I think that's knowing that you're part of something much bigger and wanting to be a part of something that's much bigger, but also giving up a little bit of of that sense of, you know, it's just about us uh, to be a part of something bigger has, has really helped charities to fully embrace it and to grow with it. And for all of us to kind of benefit from the growth. And it's neat because we are obviously quite a bit further down the road in Canada, but we're seeing the US on exactly the same trajectory. Uh, businesses and individuals are noticing and they're seeing, oh, this isn't just one charity this is a whole bunch of charities working together to make this thing happen and so that collaboration is attractive to people for sure and so embracing that is is key i think to to really winning with golden Sight. now we're talking about now a north american movement on one night uh it's something that ease up everyone can take part you can walk kind of roll you can uh, you do one climber, you can do five, you can be a volunteer, you can be a sponsor. Uh, it's an easy way, it's, it's quick, it's that night, it's you know, a few hours and you're done, it's pledge-based. And for people to understand, when you do your own event and you're, you're having to, if you had to design your own site where people could do a pledge-based site and you had to design all your own marketing materials and you had to market all of that and it wasn't done nationally like that's all done the ease of use for this so if yes. uh, my dad says i want to join the team you send a link boom 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 uh even my dad who's 82 could sign up with these who's not super computer savvy and get on there and he could come out and walk right be a part of the solution um it really is a very very easy to do um and you know that that event is going to i mean the name says it all you bring people together, as Darlene said. You can really get your message across quick. Hey, what I, I do, Darlene, I've been doing this for a few years now with my organization, Blue Door. Um, and so I, I try and raise a certain amount every year. I throw down a challenge to try and raise those amounts. 
I don't really think it through so well, though. The first year, the challenge was um, <laughs> we're near a lake. And I said, well, I'll end my walk by jumping in this lake. And it was minus 22. Canada, so I don't, know, you don't even know what that is in Fahrenheit. But it was very, very cold. Uh, so I did that if I raised $10,000. And last year, we did this thing. There's a stinky fish challenge. It's like stinkiest fish in the world. Comes in a can, and if I raised a certain amount, I was going to eat that. It was terrible. So I've got to think it through. This year, uh, I'm going to start from the base of Young Young Street, which is the longest street in the world, believe it or not, in Toronto. I'm going to walk uh, 25 kilometers and then finish for the five kilometers at the end. Wow! Um, one of my board members, right? If I raise ten, I, I'll do it anyways. But that I'm saying, if I, I want to try and raise ten thousand dollars, right? Uh, towards so so it's fun to get those challenges and our COO uh, Emmy Kelly uh, is very very competitive and, and last year I think I beat her by eighteen dollars which I think almost put her over the edge because and it was the last minute so I think this year is her year she seems to be doing really really well um, so it, it's a lot of fun as well and the coldest night team to work with great uh, a great team easy fun um, if someone wants to find out more about coolest night of the year and if they want to find out or we'll start with that and Darlene if they wanted to sign up for your event or find out more about your organization of course with volunteers for the homeless where can they go we'll start with Jen and we'll swing over to Darlene yeah, so coolest night of the year is cny.org in Canada and cny dot or or dot com in the US and so you can go to either one of those pages and you can sign up and if there isn't a charity close to you uh, you can you can choose to walk for any charity that you like and find, walk on your own um, but of course we highly recommend if you're in a location to choose the location that is closest to you and to to go out and have a great time I remember last year uh, there was, we did a survey and uh, had people fill out the surveys after the event. And the one that sticks with me so much is an individual who said, uh, the life that was most changed by my participation in this event was my own. And it's just incredible what the night means to be a part of something that is happening across all of North America. And I love that story. I remember watching your stinky fish uh, <laughs> commentary uh, over last year's campaign, but that's such a, a fun part of, of what makes it what it is. We've got a, an event director um, who's also a CEO in uh, in Oshawa, and he it's always the youth charities. Guys who've worked with youth always have the best uh, ideas, but he's done everything from uh, shaving his legs to walking 10K in a kilt to put all kinds of things. And it's just so fun to see how people get competitive with each other. And we've had locations that are on opposite sides of the country who are in this deep rivalry of competition where they have nothing in common except the number on their scoreboard. A couple of years ago, a charity leader out in Annapolis Valley picked up the phone, called an executive director in St. Catharines and said, we've never met, but you are always one location ahead of us on the, the scoreboard. And this is the year we're going to beat you. And so it's just awesome to have that that competition, but also for the for the good of it. Our our top two locations in all of Canada last year were number one and number two on the scoreboard, and they are five kilometers away from each other uh, in out in Vancouver. And that like absolutely, it's just you know that fun little oh yeah we got to get ahead. Oh, everyone's trying to to just be a little bit more right, whether it's a participant or a team or a charity. 
Um, everyone is working hard uh, for the cause. And so it's just awesome. It's, it's a great night and we would love to have as many people as possible join in. Very cool. And I hope they do. Remember that cnoy.org or in the US, cnoy.com. Darlene, if people want to find out more about your wonderful, impactful organization, where can they go? So they can look us up on Facebook, um, Portsmouth Volunteers for the Homeless. Um, but they can also go to cnoy.com, scroll down to Virginia and select Portsmouth. And they can link to us from our um, landing page as well. Very cool. And I hope they do that. Last question for you both. What can they expect this year? People show up for coldest night of the year uh, in uh, your location, Darlene. What do they have to look forward to? Well, our first year it was cold. Our second year it was cold and rain. We are not looking for cold rain and snow. So um, I just think they will find an incredible group of individuals who want to do the best that they can. Um, we brought on some new sponsors uh, this year that we're very excited about. And, um, you know, just we're just going to have winterific family fun together as a community. And we're, we're excited and we just can't wait. How cold does it get around where, where you are? Like, are we talking um, snow and so ice and snow? Approximately or? Uh, 30 degrees. So it's been it's been hovering around 30, 31. Um, but like I said, the first year was cold. And then the, the next year we got the experience with adding the cold and the rain and the wind. And so we, we've had a lot, of, a lot of lessons learned so that we can prep for whatever comes this year. Yeah, yeah. this is an event that will go on, rain, shine or snow. Uh, Jen, what are your hopes across the country? What can people expect when they go out? It's different everywhere, right? Absolutely. But I think, you know, the most important thing, of course, is that we are all exposed to the seriousness of the cause. We often say uh, the cause is serious, but the event is fun. And that's that's what it's all about. We want everyone to have a small taste of what it's like to experience homelessness and then to be driven towards action for that. Coming out to be part of Coldest Night is such a great start, uh, but the event should just be the beginning. And so we really hope that more and more people will become involved in their local charities and will find ways to be engaged all year round and to continue to partner in their communities to uh, work towards uh, ending homelessness and, and being a part of resourcing the communities and the needs that they have. Awesome. Well, congratulations to you both. I think this year uh, is going to be the best year yet. Uh, it just gets better every year. Darlene, thank you so much for all you and your organization do in support of our most vulnerable. And Jen, thank you so much for leading this charge across the across North America now. So appreciate it. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to come in and talk with us on the podcast. Thanks so thank much, you so Michael. much. We appreciate it. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com.
and listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. 